Hello and welcome to the Alternative Path podcast. My guest this week, I'm really excited to introduce to you, is Simon Turnage. Simon Turnage is a senior leader from KCAT in Essex, who are an alternative provision. I'll let Simon go into a bit more detail about, about their offering. Um, Simon, great to have you on the show. Um, how's, how's things? Yeah, very good, thank you. Um, I'm, and like, you know, I'm really excited to sort of uh, to give it the actual perspective of what happens in alternative provision, because I think it comes with uh, quite a stigma um, of just dealing with, you know, naughty children who uh, who have just failed this the system. And uh, yeah, I think it'd be very interesting for, for people to hear actually what happens within our school. Definitely. I think, you know, working in the sector, I've um, and talking to the more the more schools I talk to, the more you realise that there is such a stigma. I think, yeah, the, the importance to shift that is massive. So Going back to kind of uh, almost the beginning, Simon, talk to me about your journey and what made you move into alternative provision. Okay, well, I started teaching 20 years ago in uh, in what was deemed a, a difficult school from a difficult area with challenging students. Um, and it's something that I really enjoyed to, you know, teaching in. Um, I sort of then moved away and, and went into what would be called a, you know, slightly middle class school, if you will, where, you know, behaviour wasn't such an issue. And I didn't enjoy that so much. I really enjoyed the challenge of, you know, working with difficult children and, and trying to get them to understand that, you know, education is important and that it can, you know, change, you know, sort of your life perspectives, really. So um, from there, uh, I, I really didn't enjoy, like I said, I didn't enjoy the, 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 the lack of challenge, as it were, if, that's, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. So um, eventually I then went back um, into uh, uh, another difficult school, but that was a primary school. Uh, in South End, and again, I enjoyed those challenges. And then the job came up at Haybridge for uh, the, the senior leader, which is the job I do. And and I must admit, I jumped to the chance because uh, you know, and it, and it sounds very cliche, but it's it's almost like you're making a difference to those students because smaller classes, children that have been written off by uh, mainstream schools, maybe three or four times, um, and then they come to us with a very negative view of education. And our job there at that point is to turn that, that negative around so they can actually see that they can be successful. Um, and, and I think that's really the, the challenge that I like. And, and I think the other thing is that, and speaking to the members of staff that have just started at our school, and in their words, they were like, I didn't realize how intelligent these students were going to be. So they were just expecting the bottom set, the, the not so intelligent, if you will, um, students to be up at the school but actually what happens is that we we're actually dealing with you know very bright children who have got bored within class um, and because they're bored they start to mess about the more they mess about they get then taken down a set and then the work's even easier so what do they do they mess about again and, and so on and so forth so that's really sort of the the interesting part of our job is that you're not just dealing with you know naughty children you're dealing with children who are bright but aren't being challenged and I think that's where some mainstream schools have got to appreciate that actually these uh, these children are you know worthwhile keeping hold of but they've got to have a better and a different approach. Yeah I think if I, if I look back at my and I kind of I knew this was going to happen on this podcast maybe wasn't expecting it on there on, on such an early stage but if I think back to my my own uh, education you know I was really privileged and went to a, an amazing school abroad came back to the UK and I through one reason or another must have, have maybe not wanted to be back in the UK I, I didn't fit into to mainstream education and you know I'll hold my hands up and say that that is like I take that as my 
I made those decisions. Um, but even as like primary and secondary, I knew that the way I was taught in mainstream education, it it didn't in, didn't interest me. It didn't get my attention enough. Now, is that? Do you think that's like solely because can can mainstream education take some of what alternative and even special schools kind of the way that they teach can they put that into mainstream or is it just the class sizes don't don't allow it or what, what do you think the kind of reason behind that is i think it's twofold actually i think you're absolutely right class size you know without a shadow of a doubt when you've got 30 students in the in the class to try and make sure that it's you know set absolutely for every you know uh, level of interest level of intelligence whatever you want it's extremely difficult and, and uh, you know I appreciate that in my job I'm very lucky that we teach you know class sizes of, of an absolute maximum of six you know so you can really engage and you can get through you know a lot more within those lessons but I think also it's down to resources of, of what the schools can offer this on you know talking mainstream schools what they can offer but also they're they're so hamstrung and so um, brought back by the curriculum and outcomes so much so that, you know, I believe that uh, when you're teaching in mainstream, you're just teaching a number. So you're not teaching a child, you're just teaching a number because you've got to get through so much content, you've got to get through so much of the, of the information and you're then judged so harshly on those outcomes. So, you know, I think some teachers are, are scared potentially to, to take a risk to do something slightly different because they'll be so judged so harshly. Whereas obviously in, in our situation, when you have got, you know, fewer students in a class, it does make it easier to, like I said to you before, make it individualised to the student, but also to, to think slightly outside the box to really engage the student. And, and that's the main thing with our, with our school is that engagement level. Once you've got the engagement, then they, they can sort of see how um, education is important to them. Definitely. I think that's, um, I talked to a lot of, a lot of senior leaders in both um, predominantly alternative provision and special but equally in in mainstream and intervention works needed with young people and it, it's a really difficult one to approach with mainstream schools as to in like in my short time in in education recruitment the the increase in young people being um, removed from mainstream seems to be increasing pretty rapidly um, and I can, I've got I was talking to a senior leader not that long ago throughout the lockdown and his kind of view was, you know, and post-COVID, you know, have a bit of a, a bit of a breather on things like league tables because, you know, the effects of COVID on, on young people and, and adults like is, is, is going to be massive. So then doing league, uh, judging league tables exactly the same as pre-COVID, I, I fear that that's going to really push the, the levels of exclusions and young people who are who are not suited to, to mainstream even even higher yeah i mean i, I think league tables i think are, you know i understand the, the, the principle of them however it's very difficult to judge year on year when you're talking about completely different sets of students yeah you know so so once you know year 11 from this year can be a completely co a different cohort from from next year so how can you judge based on that how how students are going to, you know, how their outcomes are going to be the same. It, to me, that, that seems a, a very strange way of, of um, you know, having a league table, essentially. Um, but I think you're also right. There's, there's another level of it as well, that the students, when they're referred into us, they won't just stay and that's it, they're done. Pretty much year 10 and 11, yes, they will stay and they'll, they'll see out their, their GCSEs with us. 
However, uh, if they're in key stage three, the idea is that they'll be referred into us and then we'll try um, and work with them uh, and work, you know, why the, the reasons for a referral and then get them back into either their school they've come from or, an, you know, another mainstream school. However, in lies the next problem is that if a secondary school who say, okay, we'll, we'll give this student a chance, they'll then ask, well, what are the outcomes going to be? And if they're not going to hit those progress eight targets, well, surprise, surprise, all of a sudden, they don't want that student because it's going to reflect badly on their, their league tables. So, you know, we're, we're sort of fighting against that as well. And, and it's a real shame because, all right, that student might not be doing brilliantly well in league tables and progress A, but the progress that they'll make personally from having the success of returning back to a mainstream school, you know, in the short term that they're in education, will have a, a, a much bigger impact on the rest of their lives. So that's, you know, I really do feel that, that some schools are, are just looking out. They don't want that potential problem student in their school. Yeah, and I think to talk about, um, you touched on progress there. For, for me, and I, I listen to a lot of other podcasts and read, listen more than read if I'm honest, but um, people talk about um, success and, and progress. And the way people gauge success, in my opinion, is not, not really i don't i don't think the right people always gauge success in how well someone's doing in, a, in their career how much money someone's making what that person have whereas actually if you actually look at success and think about you know if you've got two people and like i say i was had a really fantastic upbringing versus someone who doesn't have that and actually look at how far someone's come and the the kind of progress someone's made you know people forget that and people look at someone who maybe doesn't appear to have made as much success for themselves actually from where they come from the the success is so much greater than someone who's not had their their journey and i think like as a as a society like we're, we're a lot of us can be guilty of that and for me that's something again that i think needs 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 made more kind of aware of it. it's a talk i know we you touched on quite a few things already but Talk to me about um, about KCAT, about kind of their journey as a as a trust, where they where you're trying to go and, and. Okay, so when I started there uh, six years ago, we um, we weren't a, a trust. We were um, run by the local authority, so that was us um, as a Haybridge Alternative Provision School, and and our executive head at then, Philomena Cousins, was also running um, North East Essex um, Alternative Provision School. Um, and then it, it was sort of over the last three years, perhaps we've really sort of become a, a trust. And so now the school is um, Haybridge Cooperative Academy, Northeast Essex Cooperative Academy, and then we've got the Endeavour Cooperative Academy. And Endeavour are a special school in Brentwood, um, and they've just come on board with us as well. So um, that's the sort of the journey of the school, but really with the ethos that um, having education for uh, having a long long-term education no, hang on a sec I'm trying to remember the uh, the exact uh, strap line here it's uh, but having lifelong education so essentially yeah. that you know it's not just about here and now it's about moving forward and and I think sometimes schools are guilty of this is that you know learning doesn't finish at the end of uh, year 11 or the end of year 13 it carries on for the rest of your life and it is only 11 years of your life that you are going to be in education uh, but you've got the rest of your life to work learn and you know still be as we've talked about before be successful so you know we shouldn't pin all of uh, all of our 
aspirations and our hopes on 11 years of education when actually it's going to be going a lot further forward than that. So, yes, as far as um, KCAT and, and, and Haybridge, where I predominantly work, we're really looking at, you know, seeing what the, the issue was with the student, turning their lives around, you know, get them to understand why they behave like they did. You know, as I said before, sometimes they don't realise that they were that intelligent and also that's why they were messing about. Um, also, it could be that, you know, they have, in, instead of having uh, to show the rest of the class that they failed because they couldn't do something, they'll mess about and be silly and hope that they'll be kicked out of the class so they don't have to show that failure. And there's, that's, that's quite a, an interesting point that they, you know, they, they, they'll prefer not to attempt something so they can't fail, um, you know, in, in order to, to, to not lose face. So that's something else that we try to really work on within, within the lessons um, and, and some of the interventions that we put in place as well. Um, but our, our biggest intervention really is small classes, you know, yeah. and small class sizes, um, you know, rather than in a mainstream school, they might remove a student from, let's say, English, maths or, or even a foreign language to work on those areas that they need. Well, we do that in every lesson because we're, you know, we're, we are such a small class, uh, some small class sizes. Over the last six years, and I think back to my life, four four years in in recruitment, have you have you noticed uh, a rise in young people who are being referred to to your service? Have you noticed noticed that particularly? Um, yeah, I think there's there's been a real shift between uh, what schools are doing, whether they're permanently excluding or positively referring. Um, so we have like obviously different levels of referral, whereas a positive referral would mean that that permanent exclusion wouldn't sit on their record. Um, so that would help them potentially with, with greater life chances that they weren't, you know, seen to be permanently excluded and that be on their record. Um, so we've really seen a shift that more schools are just permanently excluding because it's easier, it's simpler. And because now that they're becoming academies, they're not being held um, accountable by the, the local education authority. So whereas before, when they, before they were um, academies, they were having to sort of justify how many permanent exclusions they would have on their books. Now that they're academies, that's not seen so much. So we're seeing a real shift moving from positively referrals to permanent exclusions. And I do think that has a bit of an effect on the, on the student as well in that, you know, that's a real, quite a harsh thing to deal with. That's, that's a, you know, we're talking about failure within the classroom. Yes. We're now talking about failure, uh, you know, being excluded permanently excluded from a school and i think that's that's quite difficult for a student to to sort of take on board really so that that sort of shift has happened but talking on a, on a recruitment level i think what has happened and it's been very interesting is that as i sort of said at the, at the start of the podcast that you know career suicide was mentioned you know when i first became in you know uh, ap but now what's actually happened is because it's changed so much, more and more members of staff are actually wanting to come and teach in um, AP because, because of the chances it gives you and the, and the fact that actually you're teaching children rather than, as I said before, teaching a number. So I think in order for us to recruit it has actually become easier because people now don't see it as, as such a stigma. Um, and for example, we've, we've just had a science teacher who's just started with us who can't believe why he didn't do this five years ago you know he really sees it as being such a positive part of his life uh, and and the difference he feels he makes to those students as well so i think you know he's gone back to friends that he 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 yeah. left in mainstream and actually is now saying you need to do this if a job comes up this is the place to come and work you know whereas before like i said it was really like 
all blimey frowned upon that you want to move into why would you want to deal with naughty children all day so uh, yeah. that's that's been a real shift in my mind yeah and that 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 in itself um there's there's so many things in in my opinion that um people need to be made aware of but looking further forward and and, and i notice it in my my kind of my day job you know that there are a lot of people from mainstream who like you say really want to move into alternative provision or special um for a few different reasons and i think that's something that people need to understand because you know that there's obviously a teacher shortage everyone everyone knows that and the more and more people that want to move away from mainstream that that's just going to make that make that gap bigger but whilst we're um whilst we're talking about um uh, recruiting in in within your school something i'm always really interested by and i think we touched on it a little bit when i spoke to you the other day that i'm a i'm a person who really believes in in life experiences i think you know there's what better way to learn something than by going through it yourself so i've worked with some uh, alternative provisions people referral units who have really liked people who have been through life experience and 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 had a bit of a journey themselves but interestingly i've also worked with alternative provisions and, and proofs who who aren't very open to working with people who have, who have been through those experiences you know that's something that always interests me because it's almost like we're well, yourselves and other sort of professionals are trying to give everyone the best chance but then actually when it comes back around full circle it's almost like doors are closed and, and do you think there's kind of reasons behind that as such or yeah well, i think so very well. you know and and, uh, and we're battling against um trying to get our students from in year 11 once they've sort of finished with us to go into to colleges straight away um you know colleges will see the the, the three words highbridge cooperative academy i want to know and you know and it's very then difficult for our um our post-16 worker to actually you know get the foot in the door to say no not all of our students are what you think they are please give them a chance see them in an interview and you'll realize that they're not you know what you what you think they are just a naughty person who's just going to cause you a headache all day long so i think that's that's sort of part of it and i think we're really changing that stigma working closely with the colleges so when it comes to um academic review days we've had uh, the local colleges within Mid-Essex actually coming in to meet our students to to see actually what they're like and and actually have that then within our school as well so they really sort of get a bit more of a picture of them but I think interestingly going back to the point of life chances um, we had one lad who pre-lockdown um, had been referred to us had done pretty well and we you know we'd sent him back to another mainstream school unfortunately that had failed more so, I think, from the school's point of view, they were out to, to find anything that he did wrong. His shirt was untucked, his tie wasn't quite rightly done up. And straight away, they were bang, they were on him, and they're causing, you know, they were like looking out for him to make a mistake. And uh, consequently, he was then, he then referred back to us. Um, during the lockdown, he was very disengaged with education. I think his mental health really took a bit of a, a hit in that. Um, and he then um, just by luck during the summer holidays started doing some work experience as a landscape gardener and uh, paver for a friend he came back in September and the minute he walked through the gate the first thing he did was he showed me his mobile phone and went look so look, look 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 this is what I've been doing can I do work experience through school and I was like well, I'm sure we can let's let's see what we can do so now we've set up this student who was really disengaged uh, during Covid before Covid and now 
is he can see the purpose of why he needs to come to school. He needs to come to school to get his maths and English. So next year when he's actually out at work, he doesn't have to have a day release to, to go back to college to do his maths and English. And fortunate for, for this young man, the, his boss um, was, um, in his own words, was a bit of a toe rag at school. And he's trying to show <laughs> this student now that actually, look, I went through that and I found it very difficult to get to the point I am now. You have the opportunity to do it right now. So the, the student that we have in school comes in, he's head down, he does his work uh, for, for two days a week. And then he goes off and does his work experience and, and he comes back and he shows us the level of work he's doing. He is a, what dare I say, a reformed character, so mm -hmm. much so because he can see a purpose to it. But he couldn't see a purpose of maths, English, science, PSHE, employability, PE, all those subjects. Now he has a purpose and his purpose is to, to work for on work experience for his, you know, for his boss because he, he can see he's going to get an apprenticeship out of it. But what he's now trying to do is work so hard that he doesn't have to do resits. So that would then take away time that he, he would actually be working for his boss. So I think that's a real positive. And, that, and that's something else that we, we have over mainstream schools as well. Yeah, and I think that's like, um, again, referring back to kind of probably my own experiences, you know, it's about every everyone's got a talent. Everyone's Everyone's, everyone's going to be interested in something, but it's about, it's about finding it isn't it and you know if you're you know my two brothers did really positive things at school they they enjoyed and they could look at books and they could retain information and they did well I I wasn't that person until I found what what interests me and what if something interesting as that person you're talking about as soon as you find that thing that interests you you become I become absorbed in it similar to probably what you're saying with this young person and I think there's and there's a guy I've been talking to, hopefully I'll get on the show, who does a lot of work trying to help young people um, gain employment. And like you just said, there's so many, so many things that people look for when they're, when they're hiring people. But, and it's sometimes putting things on, a, on an A4 piece of paper in the way of a CV, it just doesn't, doesn't do certain types of characters any favours whatsoever. And I think, we, I think we all need to come away from that massively which is ironic when i run a recruitment agency but i really do i think i think a, a, a cv is so difficult to to get someone's um someone's kind of background across so yeah i'm i'm a massive believer that everyone's got something that they that they can be interested in everyone everyone's got a gift and everyone it's just about unlocking it isn't it i know that's just about it sounds like it's really simple but it, it, it's not and the rejection that some of the young people who go through alternative provision, this is something else I think people overlook, the, the amount of rejection that young person's had from being um, taken out of school once, going into your provision, going back into school, then being removed again, to then re-engage, that shows so much character and show, so much like strength of, of actually, do you know what, now I've found something, I'm going to nail this, I'm not going to have to resit these exams. And you know, there's there's fire in that person's belly that needs to be needs to be unlocked, and yeah, I think that just gets overlooked overlooked so much. Um, there's a, there's another crucial point here is that, um, you know, with uh, with mainstream schools that are sort of set up for, uh, you know, what they try to do is all right, we've got a bit of a naughty boy or girl here. What we're we going to do with them? Oh, I know, put them on construction, 
because that's you know that's that's for anyone who's naughty goes on construction if you're a boy and hair and beauty if you're a girl and so then all of a sudden those those jobs are almost seen as they're devalued because of what happens in school that you know all oh, right what, what can we do with this girl oh stick on hair and beauty or what we're we gonna do with this naughty boy oh just bang him on construction so all of a sudden you, you sort of almost from that point there the you know if that is an interest of that student they're, they're sort of thinking well oh no that's not a very good like job because of the schools trying to sort of force these naughty children into that area rather than seeing actually their integral parts to society and, and that they will benefit you know and, and they do have skill sets and rather than just sort of a, a throwaway uh just go and do that you know and i think that's something that that needs to be in the mind of mainstream schools and i'll be honest with you and alternative provisions that we need to think about what are we offering students to unlock that as you've quite rightly said unlock that potential so they can they can succeed in the rest of their lives you know and i, I think maybe that's more thought has to be put to that rather than just writing students off you know to to be a builder for the rest of their lives if that's not what they want to do yeah i think like interestingly there happened yeah, I don't, don't want to try and seem like I'm stereotyping, but how many people who maybe would look at someone from an alternative background um, and think that way, but then how many of those people who have made a success of themselves would love, if, if we're just talking about builders and, and health and beauty, how many of those people would love to own a nice big fancy house that's built by a builder? How many of those people go to hair and makeup and beauty parlors to, to get their stuff you know and I think something that always interests me is like if you listen to so many people who have made made massive businesses corporations and and real kind of leaders in in business is how many of those people have not really fitted into to education to education now I'm not saying there isn't people who have built big businesses that have gone to school, got didn't done really well at school, gone to university, but there's a huge percentage of those that haven't done that. And then the kind of the other shift is a lot of the people who have done really well in school and done really well at university, maybe they don't have that kind of almost entrepreneurship as much as the person who's faced rejection, who's come back from rejection, been rejected again, and they've come through and thought, do you know what? I'm going to make something for myself. I'm going to prove all those people who wrote me off and, and prove them wrong. And I think there's loads of loads of individuals out there. And um, yeah, I just think it's, it's endless. But as a, as a kind of way to move forward, how do you think, um, what do you think we can do to improve, improve awareness? There's, improve awareness from from others about our about our sector make people realize actually there's some amazing people who go through alternative provision what, what do you think can be done to raise awareness i think it'd be really interesting for more mainstream schools and, and staff to actually visit our school even if it's just for half a day for a day to actually see those students that were very difficult for them to engage with um actually being engaged in education just to give them that insight you know as i said we've got uh, that new member of staff in, in the science department who was a bit wary when he first started because he was a bit like, oh, you know, what's it going to be like? Mm. But in actual fact, you know, he, he he doesn't think it's as bad as it will. He, he certainly is enjoying life at the moment because um, it wasn't what he was expecting. And I think it's that it's that removing of that stigma. And the way to do that is to to have, you know, those members of staff actually come in and see what happens on a daily basis. 
Um, and I think it's really important that one of our senior members of staff actually goes into um, the teacher training schools um, within uh, Billericay and, and Colchester to give a, deliver a bit of a talk about what actually is alternative provision. Because I must admit, when I was training 20 odd years ago, that I didn't even know what alternative provision was. And now it's come to a point at which, you know, this member of staff is actually you know, saying, well, this is actually what it's like. This is what happens. This is how they're referred to us. These, this is, you know, that just that problem child in the back of your class. Think differently about that, that, that child. It's, you know, it, there could be a multitude of things that that child is, is feeling, thinking, being at home. And then you're asking them to come in and make sure that they're wearing the right school uniform, they're doing the right things. When, you know, life at home for them is so stressful that they just, they just can't cope with that. And I think that's, you know, the feedback that, that this member of staff has had has been really positive. Um, you know, the, the, the trainee teachers have actually said, wow, you know, that we never realised that existed and, and actually gave them a bit more of an insight in, uh, in the individual need of those students rather than just thinking, oh, they're just naughty or they're a bit loud or whatever. Actually think about what is happening within that, within that student. And, you know, as I said to you the other day when we were chatting, behaviour is the tip of the iceberg. It's what you, you can't see underneath it. And in mainstream schools, it's difficult to have that time in order to, to unpick and, and to see actually what is underneath all of that. All you're seeing is just the tip of the iceberg, which is loud, brash, possibly swearing, storming out, lack of work, those kinds of things. But I think just by giving that presentation to those, you know, the, the, um, the trainees, uh, the trainee teachers has I think really helped them to un understand a bit more and I think maybe that's something that we could do as a school as a as a you know a, a provision actually maybe going into schools and saying that student that you thought was a bit of a, a pain actually did you know that they had x y and z going on you know that <laughs> mum and dad were falling out that you know whatever has all sort of kicked off really I think um an area that's that's really a growing interest to me and you know, I've got two two young children and there's times when you you know things aren't uh, quite as they as you want them to be at home or at dinner time and it's easy to kind of think your children are being naughty but um I think as 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 adults and as society we need to all be more aware that actually there's like you said there's but, but bad behavior or negative behavior is the tip of the iceberg and there's got there's almost got to be a reason as to why that person's behaving badly. You know, there's there's something that's really interesting me at the minute is um, effects of trauma. Like, and trauma is, you know, if someone said tra uh, effects of trauma to me a, a couple of years ago, I'd have thought a car crash, uh, uh, something like that. Whereas actually, the kind of mental effects of of trauma, I think it's it's fascinating and. Um, yeah i i think we all need to be more aware of actually the reason that someone is it's almost like can be a, a cry for help isn't it almost in in a way and you know i'm sure and i suppose the hard thing with with mainstream is when they've got like you said they've got a class of 30 other children they've got one person who's in that way it's it, it's going to be harder for them but yeah I, I think there's got to be more around awareness to but i guess the the only way that can happen is by people who have been through it to hopefully the whole point of, of this podcast is for those sort of people to share their experiences and, and talk about what what made them behave in that sort of way and I think yeah I think loads needs loads can be done around that and as simple as uh, personally as a parent looking at when your young 
your child is behaving in a certain way what's what's making them behave in that way and yeah i think it's it's really easy just to think oh it's, it's bad behavior it's bad behavior but there's got to be got to be a reason for it hasn't there yeah i mean and i could think of two uh, examples of, of students that we've had that I've, I've taught previously that one of which um was getting absolutely no attention at home so their what their their way of getting attention whether it be at home or at school was they just wanted to be known they wanted to be seen they wanted to be heard they wanted to be that you know I'll, I'll use his name as we'll call him danny for for now you know that oh, danny stop doing that danny stop doing that danny what are you doing now danny come and sit down when he's in the classroom that's what he wanted he just wanted to have that attention you know of somebody actually calling his name and knowing that he exists whereas at home that never happened you know for whatever reason mum and dad were you know not there for their for their for their son and obviously what happened was he just wanted attention and the only way he could see that he could get attention by being naughty in class what would then happen he would then be removed from the class he'd be spoken outside by a member of senior staff or the teacher himself if it then escalated then they would be put in isolation then then getting all these level of attentions now that to me and you might seem as negative attention but for that child that's what they wanted they just wanted attention they didn't care whether it was negative or positive they just wanted that uh, that was one example the other example i've got is of um, a student who who came to us from serious serious neglect so much so that um, his younger brother was just left uh, as a child in the crib and would just cry and then and then the, you know as a very young baby and we're talking about the trauma sort of side of this yeah. and as a very young baby would stop crying because no one was coming so the, the trauma that that child had, even though it was, you know, a, a very young baby in a, in a cot, would ju it just stopped crying. So the trauma that that led on to as they go through their school, it almost gave up because, you know, when they were so young and that, that when a baby cries, that you, your first in instinct is to pick that child up or to comfort it. But if you're not getting that and then you just stop crying altogether and, you, you know, you might be sat in a very wet, dirty nappy, you know, it's it's that level of trauma as a very, very extreme. Yeah. But yeah. trauma can really be sort of a wide, you know, um, sort of thing and, and, and can make such a massive difference to everybody. You know, the, the way in which Danny, as I said, you know, that, that can affect something completely different from the lad that was, you know, in uh, um, just left in his in his cot, really. So I think there's, you know, trauma you know can can present itself in many different different ways yeah and I, I kind of feel like it's um i mean we could almost have a completely another 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 kind of chat about about trauma which like i say really really interests me and i think um i've definitely noticed it in the kind of work we do with young people how it's how it's become a um a kind of a profile that employers look for is you to have had experience working with young people with with trauma so yeah it's something i think we we need to all all kind of become more aware of but um here's hoping that the, the podcast kind of does that really um simon it's been like really really good good having you on i think we could talk about different subjects and different like ways that we can all improve things and you know i think there's definitely scope to, to have, have another another chat but like ultimately if you could give um any prospective employer any prospective kind of person who might want to work in alternative provision how would you kind of just describe it in a in a short kind of description really i try to be as quick as i possibly can i know i sort of uh, <laughs> get a bit passionate and i go off on one but uh, i think from an employer's point of view is don't just look at the 
the, the student, the person as a piece of paper. Meet, understand, get to know them a lot more than just looking at a piece of paper with uh, some exam results and um, you know which school they attended. I think that to me would be um, the, the real sort of the change I think that I'd like to see because the you know as I said before it's very very simple just to go oh Haybridge Alternative Provision School uh, oh sorry Cooperative Academy no but if like I said with that the lad who you know wanted to to work in con uh, in the um, you know the uh, where was he now <laughs> uh, when he was working you know it was completely disengaged came back over the summer holidays and was a completely different job if somebody was to see him now that would be what I wanted to really see is that meet the child meet the the person behind it because i think they've been written off so much but actual in actual fact the the resilience that they have would make them a very very good worker and somebody that can contribute to that um so yeah that that, that from my point of view would be that and I, and I think from from members of staff it would be you know actually look at the child as an individual not just a number i think um that would be my my sort of thing that I'd really like to see and, and just get to know what we do as a as a service and we're not just a dumping ground for naughty children I think. Definitely so well I, I, I think through my own experiences of kind of visiting a lot of alternative breeding I, I completely agree with you I think you know if the whole point behind this this podcast is is to hopefully do do exactly that make people realize that do you know what there's some absolute talent that that goes through alternative provision there's some absolute talent that has resilience and drive that a lot of people don't have you know and something that amazes me sometimes from if I talk about our kind of industry in in recruitment terms is some of the biggest names in in recruitment you have to have a degree to even become a trainee you have to have a degree now in my experience recruitment is working in a recruitment business is is challenging it's very up and down like as an emotional roller coaster now people who have been through challenges in life actually they would match up really well because they've got resilience they've got you know when you get knocked back they can come back from it and I don't think I haven't been to university or you know I haven't seen that side but I don't think that probably teaches you in the same way to come back from rejection, to come back from when things aren't going so well. So, yeah, I, I just think it's, I completely agree with everything you said. I think the work that you guys, you guys do and is, is brilliant. I think um, mainstream from a mainstream point of view, I think it, like you say, it'd be great if more, there was more of a kind of link between the both and, yeah, I just think it's a, a kind of area that we all need to be more more aware of. And like I say, I'm really, really pleased to, to chat with you. I feel like we could just just go again. But I think, um, yeah, great to have you on board. And um, yeah, I look forward to getting you in next time. And yeah, keep doing what you're doing. Brilliant. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Pleasure. Cheers, Simon. Thank you.